Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, we've got a good car cast coming up for you. We're going to talk a little bit about the Durango Hellcat SRT. We're going to talk, uh, uh, let's, what's going on with Nissan, the new Pathfinder, new, uh, Frontier, and, uh, a number of other things, um, coming up, uh, in just a second. Before we get started, let me tell you about Empire Covers. Nowadays, cars are designed to keep you safe on the road, but are you providing the same protection for your car off the road? Well, Empire Covers has you covered. It's a high-quality, affordable covers engineered to protect against rain, UV rays, tree sap, pollen, pretty much anything that would normally damage your vehicle's paint. And for premium protection, try the American Armor Cover. It's proudly made in their Kentucky factory, and they have covers for RVs, boats, motorcycles, and more. All the covers come with a free multi-year warranty. And right now, you can get this great deal. You can get free shipping and an extra 15% off your entire order by using the promo code CARCAST. Just go to empirecovers.com slash CARCAST. Use the promo code CARCAST. That's empirecovers.com slash CARCAST. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator. DeAndre here with Bill Goldberg and uh, our friend Alistair Weaver from Edmonds. Welcome back. Alistair! We were, uh, Good morning, gentlemen. We were just having a nice little conversation uh, off the air leading up to this uh, wonderful event. All about wrestling. <laughs> yeah, well, well, actually, for all the listeners out there, we have done a handicap tag match between myself at WrestleMania next year against Alistair and Matt. <laughs> it's it's a it's a triple threat match. Um, yeah, you got a year to bulk up, guys. <laughs> what you mean bigger than I already am? How much further can I possibly go? <laughs> well, I'll see if I can get Mysterio in there. <laughs> yeah, Ray Mysterio would be great. Bill, if you put me and Matt together, we still wouldn't arrive at you. <laughs> well, you'd, you'd look like the Three Stooges when they did the gimmick and they had the long coat. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, you would. You'd kill uh, we, we were talking about some of the uh, the British wrestlers from back in the day. Not as popular in the U.S., except we did have British Bulldog. We did mention that. And uh, there was a couple of others, but British Bulldog in the day was our guy. And uh turns out Alistair went to a a live wrestling event. It wasn't official WWE, but you went to the bootleg version, the British bootleg version with warm beer. This was, this was before, this was before WWE or WWF, whatever. This was, this was real people. I was just saying, I'm going to send Bill, we're talking about this offer. I'm going to send Bill the YouTube clip of giant haystacks against big daddy from Wembley stadium back in 1981. And Bill, big daddy's real name was Shirley Crabtree. Shirley Crabtree. Yeah, this guy was like 20 stone and, and kind of belly flopped his way around the ring. <laughs> wait to see this. It, it, it's awesome. Nobody bothered getting ripped, but it was amazing entertainment. You know, every every night somebody would be carried out and then they'd be resting again next day. And it was cool. It was like Saturday lunchtime before you went to a soccer match. You sat down and you watched wrestling as the family on a Saturday lunchtime. It was huge in the UK. Big daddy, things things, oh my god! You know, nobody got rips in those days. We we had some very successful wrestlers that would sort of belly flop their way around the ring back in the day. Uh, Rikishi, 
He was not spry. Uh, George the Animal Steel Yo, was actually Yo, very Yokozuna. Yeah, yeah. There's been some. Uh, there's some big boys in the ring. <laughs> you know, and you know what? To tell you the truth, though, you know who really did like a 180 was Big Show. Like Big Show was was. <laughs> Kind of big and fat and a little slow in the ring. He's more big slow, which I think that's what they joked about him for a long time. And now Big Show's jacked and leaned out and, you know, I don't don't know. It kind of takes away a little bit from his 500 pounds in the ring because now he's probably like 120 pounds less. But Yeah, but now he's more concerned with his health a little bit more. That's right. Yeah, now he's, you know, he's made some money and he's gotten a little older and he's getting a little better in shape. But anyway... Uh, and the current the current one is Mark Henry, the the uh, Hall of Famer at WWE. Oh yeah, yeah. He's just, he's just dropped like eighty or ninety pounds for an in ring return. So I'm very excited to see him out there too. Yeah, that is good because that's a that's a hard life when you're you've got that that much time in in the ring and yeah, on the road. You know. Uh, anyway, we've got some good stuff to talk about. Uh, let me just hit Dodge real quick. Dodge was ranked number one for initial quality and best driver appeal for mass market brands by J.D. Power. It's the first U.S. brand ever to be ranked number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. So visit your local Dodge dealer or schedule a test drive today. Uh, speaking of Dodge, uh, and this is not part of the ad. This is just what it is. Um, I finally got the Durango SRT Hellcat. I drove it here. I've been driving it for a couple of days. And it is uh, – it's everything you expect it to be and then everything you were expecting it not to be is also accurate, right? It's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's – But it is what it is. You know what you're getting. Yes. it's It's big. Uh, you know, it's a big SUV. It definitely does things it shouldn't be capable of doing. Fifty five hundred plus pounds. Um, you know, uh, sure, it's a little long in the tooth. These platforms that we're riding on, Challenger, Charger, Durango, they did a pretty good job on. I thought on the interior, Alistair. Maybe you had a chance to peek inside one. The the new infotainment system is big. It's flush in the dash. It's not attacked on screen. It seems to actually work pretty well. It's pretty intuitive. Um, all of the onboard uh, performance stuff when you hit that SRT button, configuring you know your street mode, your track mode, all of that stuff is very cool. Um, you know, the interior feels good. It feels clean. It's not overly luxurious, luxurious or anything. But I'll tell you, Dodge has figured it out. And it just see the smile on your face. That's all they're selling. You know what it is? Is is we all have to admit the engine is addicting. It doesn't matter what you put that engine in. Right, you put that Hellcat engine in anything, and you just grin ear to ear. Like it's just, it doesn't (laughs) make sense. Like they're putting it in stuff that doesn't even make sense. But they're like, why not? People will buy it, and I can see why. It gets nine miles to the gallon, but it's so much fun. You can't keep your foot out of it. The all-wheel drive makes it way fun, right? Because you're way more confident. But. I don't know. It's like you're sitting up high and there's definitely some body roll and the, the the brakes are a little soft. They seem to perform well, but they just feel a little soft. And so you're like, I, you, 
it's definitely one of the ones like you go, oh, this thing is so much fun. I can't wait to get on it hard. But you know when you do, you kind of want to roll down the window and go, clear the road. Everybody get out of the way because I have no yeah, idea what this thing is going to do, right? Yeah. yeah like, like Brad just- launch control went at 840 <laughs> uh, brake wheel or, you know, wheel horsepower freaking with 37s on it yeah. and all-wheel drive. It's it's uh, and I, I'm probably getting four to six miles of the gallon. With the <laughs> well, because you can't. Keep Let's your, be perfectly honest. Because you can't keep your foot out of it when you get it right. So it, it's not possible. It's not possible. But to buy it and think that it's anything but what they advertise, you're a moron. Because and, it, it is what it is. It's pretty plain and simple. I mean, it's as ridiculous as they come. But damn, is it fun? Yeah, you just need bigger dogs, Matt. That's the that's the issue. If you go to Durango, you're going to need bigger dogs. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, well, the, we got the little tiny ones, and they'll get lost in the third row seat back there somewhere. Um, so I I don't know. So my thought on it though is, I for me the Durango being the three row high performance version is probably a little too much SUV. Uh, so. They did a good job of knocking some money off of it compared to the Trackhawk, the Jeep Trackhawk. But for my money, I felt like the Trackhawk was sized a little bit better. It felt a little bit more like, you know, like when you – not that price is, is, a, is a concern, but uh, a little more like the super SUVs, the Urus and, you know, Lamborghini and stuff like that. They seem a little more track hawkish. Durango is in a league of its own. Just the size of it, the weight of it, the three row length of it, and the amount of power and it puts down is kind of in a league of its own. I don't think there's anything else quite that large and anywhere nearly that quick. That's right? why they did it. I uh, uh, G- GLS GLS sixty three AMG, but that is like almost twice as much money at least yeah so that's a good point so uh bmw has an x7 but the x6 or whatever the x6 you know coupe or m competition is is fast you know it's as got to be as every bit as fast as the lamborghini uh the audi rs q8 you know again it's very much the lamborghini the urus but uh so the only other thing out there is big you're saying is the mercedes is it? It is. Uh, it, it is. But you know, that's a that's a telemetry. I mean, I'm, the weird thing is, like, I, you, the Trackhawk feels. You're right. Feels like a kind of uh, Lamborghini for a fraction of the price. I mean, eighty thousand dollars for a Durango is still a ton of money for a Durango, though. I know the interior's got a bit of Alcantara and it's got a shed load of horsepower. Try a hundred and two for a truck. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Too, well, honestly, I think the Durango I'm driving is 88,000. I think the Monroni Eight. is like 80, 88,000. And that's no sunroof, by the way. Like, not that I want the extra weight above me. I already feel like it's, you know, and yeah, to make all the difference. That, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at at 5,500 pounds uh, or 5,500 and, and change. Uh, anyway, it's it's a blast to drive. Uh, I'm going to fold down the seats and I'm going to load up a bunch of car parts in it because I can, uh, now that I have it here, have a little more fun with it. Um, and then uh, I'm actually am going to be swapping it out in the next few weeks for some of the some of the hot, uh, like all of the RS Audis, including the, the Q8, the RS Q8 or Q8 RS. And I can't 
really be sure of what it's called these days, but uh, uh, it that should be fun as well. But anyway, I wanted to touch on that. I'm going to get some photos. I'm going to try to get um, at least a couple of, of, of you know videos I'll throw up on Instagram just so you can hear it as well. Of course, it does what you expect it to, to do. It has a good sound. It has a good muscle car sound to it. It's got that supercharger whine. Actually, I kind of like the supercharger wine to be a little louder in this thing. I was like, I, I, I want a little bit more wine, not just so for me, but for everyone on the streets walking, going, "What the hell is that big red? It's bright red, and and it's a it." Someone goes, "Hey, is that a fire truck? It looks like a fire truck." I was like, "It might as well be because when you see it, you want to get out of the way <laughs> when it comes down the road." But uh, it, we have a. We, we have a film coming out on it on Friday. I think it's Friday, Matt, actually, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, but it's it's Friday with Alana took one down to the drag strip as well. So she took it drag racing. So that's kind of fun. I mean, that's what it's for, right? I mean, that's kind of what it's for. I will tell you this. It's actually pretty comfortable to drive. Um, I, I was trying to dig into it a little bit. And they've they have retuned the suspension and stuff. And I think what they're doing, Alistair, which is interesting – is they're doing a little more spring and a little less sway bar. Like to to get it to to go around like, you know, your autocross or your slalom, you know, you can add sway bar, but sway bar does stiffen up ride as well. So I think they're trying to not overdo it on sway bar, but are doing maybe a little bit uh, heavier spring, a little bit stiffer spring. And uh and finding the right balance because you're trying to control 5,500 plus pounds, right? Not just the power itself, but, but the amount of weight. And somehow they got the, uh, the, the power transfer to work well. I get it. It's all-wheel drive. But the way it shifts weight, I mean, uh, I, I think Dodge told us zero to 60 in three and a half seconds. And uh, I believe some people are getting quicker than that. I'm not sure what tire they're running or what conditions of weather or altitude, but they're getting less than – three and a half, you know, three, four, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what Alana ended, ended up doing during the drag race, but, uh, oh, do, do we know what she ran in that thing? Because these things are running 1170s, maybe. Yeah, I, I forget. I, I think, I think she was, I think in her words, it was like a really busy night and she never got a, like a watch to realize like a perfect run, but I think she was in the 11s somewhere. Yeah. Um, the film, I'd say it's like a 10 minute film. It's kind of a review as well of the car. So I think that's out of, that's, that's, if you check out the Edmunds YouTube channel on Friday, I think that is. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, she, she, she loved it and it's just kind of a hoot, isn't it? And I think we all recognize these cars are on borrowed time. So buy them while you can. Yeah. Well, anyway, it, it's fun. I know we've uh, we appreciate their their sponsorship of the show, but I wanted to drive this thing as much as we've been hitting uh, hitting it in the ads and stuff. But uh, anyway, more to talk about. Let me just tell you guys real quick about Geico. You own your home and you rent your home. Either way, um, you know it could be a lot of work, but uh, we know what's easy, and that's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. And we know that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home already. So visit Geico.com and get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Alistair, what have you been driving? What have you been up to? Uh, all sorts of stuff, really. I had a, had a weekend in an M4, which was... Um, which is fun. Took it up to have you been to a place called Solv Solvgang, which is this weird little Danish town in California. S- Solvang. It's a 
Solvang. Solvang, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, There's some wine yeah. tasting up there. There's a lot of cuckoo clocks for some reason. There's a lot of cuckoo it's, clocks in the stores. <laughs> it's the weirdest place in the world. It's like a little Danish community. Yeah, yeah. Corner, but, <laughs> I, I love that you're like, have you ever heard of this Solvang place? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody out here, we've all gone there at one point in our lives for 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 some wine tasting usually. Uh, and of course the wine, what's the wine movie that I'm thinking of? Come on, Chris. What's the sideways one? sideways sideways was basically sideways. there with, uh, Paul, Gamato, Paul Giamato. Is that right? G- Paul Giamatti. Who's fantastic. Giamatti. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing well this morning. Yes. All right. So, uh, you got an M4 and, um, I remember you texting me last night and I said, I certainly hope it performs better than it looks. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's that's the issue, isn't it? I mean, everybody <laughs> just talks about the looks, and I, I don't really get, I, I don't get it because it's hard to get past that. I mean, I've got some thoughts on how it drives as well, but I don't know why BMW feel like, almost like cyclically feels the need to go off in these kind of weird design tangents. They did it with Chris Bangle's designs back in the, the sort of early two thousands, and then. And then here we are with a uh, current generation. And you go back to like the 80s E30 M3, which I remember like growing up watching, watching racing. It was a beautiful car. And even the generation that you own, Matt, was a, was a really pretty thing and quite understated and elegant. And this thing just feels like over-designed. And that, that nose, I'm sorry, I saw it in concept form. It's here. It looks, I just can't. Yeah. I mean, this thing was dark gray, which at least detunes it a little bit. But I wouldn't buy one. I, I wouldn't buy one simply on the appearance. And that's kind of a weird thing to say. I know we buy cars because we lust after them and stuff. But I just think it's not only is it controversial, I just don't think it's good design. And I remember having dinner with Ian Callum, Jaguar's famous design director once. He's, you know, it's like, all right, all right, going off at a tangent, but make sure the design is well executed. I don't even think it's that. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. And I always question how something like this can get past so many people in the approval process. You know, it's like, you know, a designer can hit it, but then what? And then it goes to the executives, it goes to engineers, it goes to hundreds of people, and then it goes to the marketing team, and the marketing team's like, what do you expect me to do with it? <laughs> like, like, how do I even present it? You know, like, what? how am I going to, like, sort of, what sort of, pre- you know, like, think of all the, you know, the press drives and things like that we've been on and you, especially over the years and years and years, like what is that speech you get from BMW going, Hey, welcome to the ride and drive event for the M4. We can't wait for you to, to you know, to, uh, you know, to not really talk about its yeah. looks, but really to talk about its performance. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because yes, everybody's talking about it and normally that's a good thing right but this isn't kanye running up on stage during the grammys you know for that little pop this is something people have to spend a lot of money on and live with for a long time and have their friends see them drive it <laughs> yeah i mean this is basically a hundred thousand dollar the one i was in was was a competition and that's basically a hundred thousand dollar car and yeah, I don't, I, I don't see why BMW needed to do that. I get it if you're like an emergent brand, you got to make some noise and take some risks and maybe polarize opinion a bit. And I kind of think that Jaguar, for example, should have been doing more of this. But BMW, like an M car, I just don't feel like you need to do it. I mean, the other thing, because you're asking about like what it's like to drive, I mean, it's it's monstrously fast. But for me, it's also because it's got so fast and so big and so he- he- heavy and everything else, it feels more like what I remember an M5 being. So, you know, like I grew up in M3s and, and the point of, a, of an M3 was it was kind of lithe and agile and a bit smaller and, you know, it was a little bit more um, 
a little bit more precise on turning and things like that. And this thing's now got so powerful and so big and the tires have grown and everything else and all the electronics to handle all the power that it feels more like an M5. That it's it's be- beautifully executed. The engineering is terrific, but you have lost that sense of, you know, little lightweight agility and all the rest of it if you want that you now have to go to the m2 not the mm-hmm. not the m3 m4 because that's kind of where the m2 still is but so so for me I, I recently drove an m8 competition as well which you know is another 70 grand that thing was 170 000. but the m4 now feels almost indistinct from the m8 in terms of it just being a big heavy beast of a car i mean a nice a nice everyday thing but it's kind of gone in a different direction and you can only drive it at night obviously do you do you recall with the bra. yeah right <laughs> do you recall what it weighs what does an m4 weigh now oh i'd have to look that up matt I, I know we had it i know we had it at the track but i can't i can't remember off the top of my head my uh um, my my neighbor to my warehouse is um uh i forgot the name of the company he makes you know, body kits and, and flares and stuff for a lot of the import cars. He's got a McLaren in there. He's got an E46 BMW, a few things like that. And uh, he's already he's already on it. Like, I saw him, like, scanning the front end of an M4 the other day. And uh, I go, hey, you're going to change the beak on that thing? He's like, I'm going to get so rich. <laughs> because everyone, you know, if he makes it work, you know, uh, he's going <laughs> to... He's going to sell a million of those goddamn things. It seems like, like everybody's going to want to, to change the nose of that thing if he can get it. You know, but it's there's so much stuff packed behind the front of that grill. It's like, you, you know, if you tried to to kind of narrow it down and smaller grill and all that kind of stuff, it's like, can you do it? Will all that stuff fit behind the grill? Are you limiting the amount of air? Like, there's just a lot to consider other than just a cosmetic change. If he could pull it off, that would be very interesting. But yeah, I just like I managed to look it up, Mike. It's just under four thousand pounds. Um, it's about three thousand nine hundred pounds. So it's it's uh, I mean five hundred and three horsepower. Uh, actually, no competitions. I think competition. Yeah, we just over five hundred horsepower. And, you know, tons of electronics. And there's some really cool stuff. I, I didn't get a chance because I was only driving on the road to play with the drift mode monitor. It's got a little gadget inside it, which will actually assess your drifts. So I was pretty <laughs> disappointed not to get it to a track and, uh, and try that. We, we've, got a, we've got a film coming up, actually, that we're due to shoot in a few weeks where I think we're going to have one and, and go play with that mode and a few other things. So, yeah, stand by for that one. But, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a good thing. It's uh, you know it's it's beautifully executed, but it just feels it's a load of money, and it just feels like they've gone a, gone away a little bit from what they what I remember them as as, as growing up. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, four thousand pounds, just under four thousand pounds, kind of seems like where we are with with our sporty coupes these days, right? Like, you know. I was actually expecting it to be a little heavier than that. I mean, certainly not what it used to be. I mean, what what is a? I don't know. I mean, I guess if you had to to pick it, what is a Boxster or a nine eleven weigh these days? You know, um, the nine eleven seemed to have gotten pretty big, and and you know, a Cayman is it, the Cayman's got to be thirty four hundred, right? And a nine eleven's got to be thirty eight. A nine eleven is thirty, yeah, just under thirty four hundred starting out and then obviously it gets heavier as you go up the uh as you go as you go up the range um okay what's it cayman cayman 
bear with me, caller. Cayman weight is about 20 2900. Oh, so both of those cars are lighter than I thought they would be, which I I guess you know, that's so. that's what you're getting with all the uh with all the Porsche engineering, right? Is is you're you know, they got to be able to cut some weight and do some stuff like that. You know, like weight makes a big difference. You know, the other car that I was driving uh recently was um the Lexus RC F yeah RCF Fuji edition and uh you know it it's basically the RCF with the same power a little bit revision they put a lot of carbon fiber the hood the deck lid the wing and and stuff like that they took a little weight off of it and it was just so they could go from like 4.1 or 4.2 0 to 60 to 3.9 you know um and it's good and it's fun and they added I don't know Twenty five thousand dollars to the price because it's. I, I think it's like a hundred thousand dollars for that car, and the normal one's probably seventy five, maybe eighty thousand somewhere. Yeah, in that I'm not even, I don't even sure it's that. I, I think it's like late sixties, isn't it? An RCF, but yeah. So yeah, they're, they're a cool. It's still a cool looking thing. It is kind of cool looking, and it is kind of a. a uh, it was kind of uh, fun, and and it you know. The point about that car is because we were talking about, uh, you know, the Durango being silly as well. Um, I got into this Lexus and this thing has nearly 500 horsepower with a naturally aspirated V8, right? Which you just don't really see anymore. And I don't know if if it was just non-existent or the fuse was pulled or a button was set, but it did not have that very annoying start stop feature at every stoplight. So they're like, Hey, I'm throwing a V8 in it. And that be damned on the start stop function. Cause we have the V8 in there. It's like, we don't even care if, uh, if, 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 if that start stop feature saves a mile per gallon or whatever the overall thing is, they're like, it's, it's fine. They're like, we're all in on this for as long as we can go. And that's probably, you know, eight months left before we have to change all of that stuff. Right. I mean, you know, things are coming down quickly where we can't really have these things anymore. So, uh, I, I see why the car California. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I read this morning Did that you we're. See that? Getting a little governor change, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you see on the on the Tesla earnings report that they made half a billion dollars in selling carbon credits? I did see that. That was actually interesting because you mentioned this um, before, saying their carbon credits that they sell are a big source of income, and they they've hit sort of a, an all time record for them financially, over five hundred million dollars in carbon credits. Which basically what put them over the top and made them profitable. Of course, the next sentence in that in that press release or article was the amount of profit that they did make, which you know is something uh, that triggered the next big stock option thing for Elon Musk. So he added eleven billion dollars to his to his net worth because he had his company make a little bit of money, and he's like, well, I don't know. Whatever the source of revenue is, it doesn't really matter. Money's money, and the books are the books. And if I can get five hundred something million dollars in carbon credits, <laughs> and that pushes them to a four hundred million dollar profit, he gets eleven billion dollars out of it. 
There was a time when Porsche was making more money as a hedge fund than it was out of making cars. And I think Tesla's in the same place. So they make zero money out of actually producing cars and they're making all their money out of Bitcoin and carbon credits and everything else. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's really weird. There's, there's no denying he's, he's not a smart man. Like he knows what's going on. He's smart. He's a little outspoken and a little wacky, but so many, uh, geniuses are, but, um, I, I, just a just a just a wild ride just a just a wild ride that that whole company is is on um but speaking of tesla i'm not sure if you had a chance to look at uh what uh what mach e is doing cuz the gt and gt performance are out right and we saw uh, the base price for the Mach-E GT is going to be sixty-one thousand. That's with the eleven hundred dollar destination, so it's like fifty-nine something. Um, then you you know you add it up, it's sixty-one thousand. And the GT Performance Edition will be sixty-six thousand. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're looking at uh. Zero to sixty in three point eight seconds for the Mach E GT and three point five ish for the high performance uh pack. Um sixty one, sixty six thousand and range of two fifty for the GT and two thirty five for the performance edition. Does that sound right? I think Yeah, that sounds that's pretty good, Matt. And uh, I don't have notes in front of me. I'm just going back, going going based on what I uh, what what I was You're being pulled out. Talking about um, what were your thoughts on the range? Because we talked about some of the cars that did well and some of the ones that underperformed. Where do you think the Mach-E falls in to that? You know, you were saying that Porsche is one of the one of the best. Like whatever their estimate is, they they crush their estimate by. A, a noticeable margin, a significant margin, you know, something to, worth bragging about type margin. It, yeah, we're about, uh, we just actually this week published our test of, when they do, um, Mackie, there's a California Route 1 version, which is designed to be the long range. Uh, you just put Mackie in so that people will laugh at me. Um, it's like running I was waiting. Like, it, it's, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing with you. I'm, gig- I'm quietly <laughs> giggling. <laughs> It's like when James May says cock on the Grand Tour. It's just like the same joke every week. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we just tested the, the, the Route 1 version, which is the long, which is basically designed to maximize the range. That did 344 miles on our test, which is one mile short of the record, which is currently held by a, a Model 3 long range. But the Ford overperformed its uh, EPA by around 12%, 13%. I mean, we talked about this before. Tesla's tend not to. Um, Apple does does a donor and the and and the Ford does so it's about twelve percent over the uh, over the EPA range so that was a good result so generally the you know the Mackie performs well in our in our range testing um, and he's pretty pretty efficient too and obviously with the GT you're trading you're trading you know it's, it's a balancing act so you're you're kind of adding performance and taking away a bit of range but you know two thirty two fifty miles they're both you know they're both in a in a decent place. I think these things over time will normalize at about 300 miles. I think you'll end up with 250, 300 miles being the norm for most cars. And then the really high end stuff might have more range. Is, is 250 miles a satisfactory range or is it a number that we're going to get accustomed to living with because that's where we are 
with technology? I think it's all about infrastructure. I mean, that's the the issue. I mean, most for most people who buy an EV, you know, you have it, charge it up at home, you plug it in overnight. So, two fifty miles is ample. I mean, how many times do you drive more than two hundred fifty miles in a in a day? Um, and then, if you are road tripping it, it's a question of where are the fast chargers and how do you, you know, how reliable are they and everything else. And that's where Tesla has a has a really big lead at the moment because the supercharger network is really strong. Um, and then the Electrify America and everything else, charge point stuff is just not as it's not as good. Um, so we've got some more stuff coming out on this. So, you know, but it will catch up. And, uh, you know, the infrastructure will only get better. Uh, but that's the thing. I mean, for most people, you know, 250, 300 miles, if you're charging at home, that's probably that, you know, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else is, uh, have you been, uh, getting into? We were talking about a few other cars on the way. Um, I don't know if you, had a chance to drive GT3, but you've been driving a few other things, right? Yeah, GT3 is coming. Uh, we've got something special coming up, probably the GT3. Um, GT4, we had actually, first time I drove a GT4, I drove it very briefly, um, which is the Cayman. And every all the focus is on the port on the 911, but actually that Cayman GT4 is such a thing. Yeah. And, you know, seven, you know, and that's, and that's like 100 to 120, whereas a GT3 these days is getting on 200. And actually, a GT3 is two seats, and the GT4 is two seats, and you know it's mid-engine, not rear-engine, and yeah, that's a, that's a that's a fabulous thing, and it kind of gets a bit overlooked, but yeah, that was a beautiful car. You know, when the when the previous uh, uh, came in uh, GT4 came out, I, I, you're right. I was looking at that car, going, you know what, I, you know, I obviously you're you're getting a certain size of car. It's going to be tough to fit in for some people, but. Uh, I was like, you know, a hundred grand. I mean, this is this is kind of hot Corvette territory for a hundred grand. Like when you start loading it up, and you know, do do you go after something like that, or do you go after Porsche GT4, right? Cayman GT GT4, and uh, I, you know, I I knew a friend that um, in Texas, I believe, that bought one and and absolutely loved it, but I don't know what the long term sort of drivability comfort was it bumpy was it not was it like the older version like boxster r sort of lightweight kind of loud a little bumpy you know but i'm not sure what it's like to drive the gt4 these days well i mean the reason with it, with all the electronic damping i mean it's like a lot of porsches you know they're actually pretty pretty comfortable um you know because because the damping technology's got so good and, and it's also pretty pretty switchable also, the Cayman's got quite a lot of space. I mean, I'm 6'4", and I don't have the seat all the way back. Hmm. So, you know, and then you've got the trunk in the front, the trunk in the back. So it's pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty usable. And then there's the spider version if you want the, you know, if you want the roof down. So I've always been a fan of the Cayman, and, you know, that, that's got the effectively a version of the GT3 motor in it anyway. So it's, uh, and they hold their value so well, which is, uh, you know, is another big thing. Those those specialist ones, as all the GT cars do, so... Yeah, it's a it, it, it's a nice tool, and I kind of like I kind of like the G box. It feels a little bit more intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a little bit kind of like a nod nod to those in the know. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to hear what else you've been getting into. Uh, uh, but f- let me tell you guys about um, our friends at uh, BD Power, their TS Booster. So say goodbye to that dead, laggy throttle pedal feeling and enjoy quicker response and acceleration with the BD Power TS. Booster. 
booster. The TS booster amplifies the signal between the throttle pedal and the ECM for quicker reaction time, forcing your performance curve to occur sooner. They have factory connections. I think it just goes right into the OBD2 port. You just plug it right in, which means it's a painless install. It gives you six acceleration levels and a security mode if you want that. There's no need to program it. You just take the TS Booster sophisticated AI, you plug it in, it does the work for you, learning the appropriate settings and your particular application and based off of your throttle input. So it does it all pretty much for you. It's a nice little fun little thing you can be able to just plug in and and make the car just feel so much uh, uh, peppier all around. Cars and trucks, they've got it for all kinds of stuff. So check out tsbooster.com and enter the code CARCAST for $50 off your purchase. That's actually a pretty good deal. So tsbooster.com, enter code CARCAST for 50 bucks off. Um, yeah, I, I've got one of these at home, by the way. I just don't have a modern car to plug it into. <laughs> Ooh, I should plug it in. I should plug it into this Durango Hellcat and see what happens. <laughs> and then I'll give it back <laughs> and, and then see what happens. <laughs> um, got to test out the product. Yeah, I got to kind of test out. Actually, I got to look up the part number and see if it works with that. Cause there's some, when you buy one of those, it works on a bunch of different models, but there are like three or four different part numbers that you need because there are only so much data they can put into into one of those. But I'm kind of curious to plug that thing into the Drago and see what it does because <laughs> that's what the Drago needs is to be peppier off the line. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Maybe it'll increase the fuel mileage. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it does that at all. It might be the opposite. But, uh, you know, I was sitting on the freeway on the way here. I think I was getting 12. I was getting double-digit numbers. Um, yeah, that's three times as much as <laughs> <laughs> you're getting right now. Uh, what else has been going on? You've been, um, did you say you drove the Bentley? Oh, we had a little bit of fun in the, in the flying spurs, uh, sedan. Yeah. I also, Matt, while you were reading the ad, I was checking actually our, our Durango Hellcat video went live this morning. It shows what I know, right? It wasn't Friday. It was Wednesday. We have two videos a week. I never remember what order they're in. <laughs> so, so that's up and live. Yeah. We had, had a play in the, in, in the Bentley. Which is, I just love those big, powerful sedans. You know, mm-hmm. we do everything's SUVs these days, but you get back into those sedans and you think, yeah, it's just a nice, you know, it's just a nice place to be. Talking about, we also had a look at the um, Mercedes EQS, which is this, you know, which is Mercedes' big, like Tesla Model S rival, big, big statement car for them. Uh, haven't driven it yet, but had a uh, you know had a good look at that. I mean, it's just the tech that's throwing at that thing's extraordinary, um, and it looks pretty as well. I think they've done a really nice job with it. Nissan Pathfinder uh, on a on a on a different uh, different level. Carlos had a look at that. For us. These are all on our our YouTube channel, and then Kia Sorento. I mean, no brand for me. There is no brand or partner brands doing better than Hyundai Kia at the moment. Their design stuff is great. Their cars are great. And you think how far that company's come in the last like 20 years, it's crazy. Sorento's a really good thing. Tell your ride we love. You know, some of the new little EVs coming out. It's it's they're in a great place. And when what they did, you know, they hired an Audi designer, uh, in Peter Peter Peter, uh, Peter Schreier, and then they hired uh the chassis guy from BMW. And suddenly the cars look good and drive well. You're like, who knew? It's 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 funny because when we look at it that way. Uh, you go, oh, we're going to bring in this designer. We bring in this chassis guy. Well, there's tens of thousands of people at the company. It's it's just 
it's it's like that's an incredible amount of power for each one of these guys to have over their department and the influence of the vehicle. Um, I guess maybe that's a hell of a lot of power, whoever that BMW designer is over there designing the beak on that M4, because uh, he seemed to get thousands and thousands of people on board with that thing. <laughs> well, the guy the guy running Hyundai Kid is I now, because we pressure moved on the, to, to, to bigger things than is he's Luke Donkervolker, which is A, an amazing name, but also he was at <laughs> Lamborghini. You know, and this guy's gone from Lamborghini and, and he's now... Um, you know, he is now. I forget which Lambo he did. I think he did the. Um, I think he did the Huracan, or maybe he did the Missilago, and then you know pops up at Hyundai Kia and doing great things for them. So, you know, he did. But it is amazing, man. I mean, you, you, well, we've all met like senior executives these companies, and and they are rock stars. And it's amazing how much power and influence single individuals have in companies, as you say, of like tens of thousands of people. These are these are, you know, and it, a lot of it centers on these one you know, a handful of individuals, which is why they get paid, you know, insane amounts of money and, you know, treated treated like royalty. It, it is interesting how the more popular they become when the media starts picking out people within the company and turning them into high profile. They went from executive to high profile faces of the company, right? And, uh, and along with that comes, you've got to imagine, a, a big paycheck, you know, it, it's a big paycheck and a big ego. <laughs> yeah, a big paycheck and a big ego. Uh, uh, that's for sure. Um, I do want to touch on on the Nissan stuff. This is a company that uh, obviously over here, um, all the, the legacy stuff, all the vintage stuff, fans of. We've got a bunch of them in the other room. Adam Krola's collection. And uh, I am interested, and I always love what the GTR was. I always, uh, I do like what what's happening with the new Z. I think it's going to be interesting. But Nissan as a company, a lot of restructuring. COVID kind of hit them hard. They have to be sort of a a leaner uh, a company, um, and to be able to come out with with new product that's interesting and. So I kind of want to get your thoughts, and I know. Uh, uh, Carlos uh, Lago on your team has looked at the new Nissan Pathfinder pickup truck and I'm sorry, the Pathfinder SUV and the Nissan Frontier pickup truck. Now, both of those, you know, I I don't think they're completely, you know, clean sheet of paper redesigns. I think uh, whatever platform it's built on has evolved over the years. I think the engines are pretty much still on par with what they have for several years. And they just kind of stepped up, what, with a lot of technology, some new design, probably some refined suspension. They they did as much to an existing platform as they possibly could do. So my question for you is, is it enough you're right. I mean, Nissan was very much in, in 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 the doldrums, and the products were pretty antiquated, really. And they're on a massive product cycle at the moment to basically pretty much refresh everything. I think what's the the Rogue was really the first fruits of this um, in, of their kind of big selling vehicles, uh, which came out last year, and that's actually a pretty good thing. Let down, as you say, by like an older engine and transmission, but the you know the interior is nice. It looks good. And the Frontier and Pathfinder, I think, are building on the Frontier. is a good-looking truck. Yeah. Um, and we do, we haven't we haven't driven it yet, but for, but Carlos was we just had a good look at it, and Carlos did the film, and he came back pretty impressed with it. I think it looks you know it looks good. The interior is a big step forward there. You know they're they're really making progress with this stuff, and they have to because you know historically they they 
like the road sold on value and you know there's so little margin in small suvs anyway that you really don't want to be selling on on value and, and as a used buyer say, oh you can buy the road used well yeah but that's just because it's cheap really um it's not a it's not where they need to be and yeah i i hope that you know the z car will give them a bit of an image boost but you know it's a bit of a niche thing things like the the frontier need to do well and you know it's off to a good start i think the you know speaking of the Z as a as a halo car other than the GTR it's just sort of the more uh, you know attainable halo car the 370Z that's been out for quite some time now was was that considered successful for for Nissan I mean they've always had it I mean I don't know how many they need to sell for them to be happy with it or do they keep it on uh, because it still did bring people to the brand like do you think that was a, a, a successful vehicle. Well, I, it's funny. We we're about to do. We were thinking of doing a feature on like the cars that you didn't know are still being built, and yeah. um, certainly like the three seventy Z would have been in there. It's probably just stopping, isn't it? But I mean, I went on the launch of the three fifty Z, which was like before they brought out three seventy. Yeah. Which, which you know, fundamentally, there's a lot of lot of you know still have the same parts. And I think I was twelve. You know, that was like that was <laughs> that was getting on for like twenty years ago. That car has just existed forever, and. And, you know, it's probably they paid off the R&D many years ago. So they just thought, oh, we'll just keep pumping them out and a few people will buy them here or there. And that's the problem. This That's kind of been Nissan's journey for the last decade or more that, you know, these things have just aged and they haven't replaced, you know, they haven't replenished the, the range. They haven't, they haven't moved with the time. So I don't know about the Z. I, I, you know, I think people like us get quite excited by it. But, you know, the sales of coupes like that are so small now. I just don't know whether it's, it's enough to really give them that kind of brand lift that they're hoping for. I hope it is, but you know. Yeah. But you know what though? I mean, keeping that car around now, um, you know, for like you said, 350 Z, 370 Z, uh, this new uh, Z that's coming out still has a little bit of a legacy thing going on. And, um, you know, this new Z is still what largely based on the 370 Z platform, which, which, I don't know if that was new or if that was on the 350. So this this platform, it was on the 350, wasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if Nissan can get away with making revisions to an existing platform, which I – listen, that used to be like a big faux pas. You go, hey, you know, this is – you know, you've got five years on this platform. You can't do it anymore. We need something new. But – now we're we're changing things over over time, like we're evolving things over time. Where, um, how to explain it? More like technology, and like now all these cars have over the air updates, and we can revise things and fix things just while it's parked in your in your garage, just sitting there, or or if an EV's plugged in or something. Uh, it, it's these little changes. You don't have to say, "Hey, the," you know, if the if the 2022 Nissan Z isn't that great, we would write it off and go, now we're screwed for the next five years with this car. But car companies now are going, no, no, no. We're going to give you the 22 and we're going to make some changes for 23 and 24 and 25. I mean, honestly, 
Where we see it now with things like when the Toyota Super came out, and then the next year it came out with a whole bunch more horsepower, and it made a huge difference. Uh, but even something like Nissan GTR, every year or two, it seemed GTR got a little more horsepower. It was four eighty horsepower. It was five hundred or something, or five twenty, and then you know, you know, the Nismos are six hundred, and then it performed so well when it came out. And then they said, well, we know where we want on our handling and our zero to 60 and our performance. Now for the next 10 years, we're just going to make it more comfortable, <laughs> but without without losing those performance attributes, right? Because you get into first-gen GTR and you're like, oh, this cooler, the car is fun and it's got all the you know PlayStation interface thing going on, but the screen's a little small and there's no car play and, and it rides a little bumpy and it's a little harsh and and that you know you hear that transaxle making all kinds of noise so then Nissan's MO is like great let's fix all of those things but keep the performance as as batshit crazy as it is so i think a lot of car companies are doing that now right just these small revisions each year Honestly, well, it sounds like you're describing Dodge. <laughs> yeah, right. Like Dodge has done the same thing. And some companies talk about it all the time and some companies don't. I mean, I don't necessarily follow the evolution of the Tesla Model S, but I feel like that basically looks roughly the same as it as it has since it debuted. And now it's been many, many years. But I never think of of hey, is is this year better than another year? Than another? I just think whatever the newest one is, is the better one, right? If you just said 19 or 20, I go, 20 is better. I think the only, I, I, I think you're, you're right to a, to a large extent. I think the only problem is, is one of perception. Because actually, if you look at the Z car, if they, if they, if they launch this and initially you get that kind of big wave of publicity and everybody goes out and drives it. And if everybody decides it's a disappointment, it's really hard to row back from that. Right. So once you, once everybody's driven it for the first time, it's a, eh, you know, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit, eh. then actually, you know, if you put a bit of super, super is a good example. Everybody's a bit like, eh, eh, you know, and then, all right, we're going to throw another 250 horsepower at it. And but it's hard to change perceptions then, uh, you know, it's hard to kind of reinvent the wheel because everybody's already formed an opinion and, you know, it's no longer new. It's no longer the, the, the shiny cover story. So, you know, my own view based probably on experience is you only get really one crack at this. And even something like Porsche with a 718 Cayman, you know, we all went and drove that four-cylinder car and we're like, uh, you know, rubbish mm-hmm. engine, really, you know, rather have the old one. And now they brought out the six-cylinder, but it's like a hundred grand. And it's hard then to change the perception of stuff. Yeah. Once you've made a mistake, it's hard. And, I mean, it's and, like anything in life. And you know what? And in the long run, it does affect the values. You know, like 911s have always uh, held their value pretty well. Um, but uh, Boxster? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unless it's a GT or a Spider, a nice GT4 or a Spider. Yeah. Like it's definitely got to be a special version to, to, but, to get to that. We're actually buying a couple of cheap cars for driver training. So we, we put all our team through driver training and we realize that we need to buy a couple of cheap cars that we can add, really have fun with because, you know, like we can't reuse a GT500 or a Corvette for driver training because it's, it's kind of all a bit tough now and it'll cost a fortune. Yeah. So we're looking at buying a couple. Of, I, next time I come on, I'll talk to you about this because we're in the process. It'd actually be a great one to talk about. Like we've got seven and a half thousand for a rear wheel drive car, seven and a half thousand for a front wheel drive car. What do you buy? And yeah. it's probably got more time than we got time for now. And uh, and what we I lost the train. Of, oh yeah, sorry. Train of thought was uh, the 
you know, a Boxster, you can get a seven and a half grand Boxster, like an early Boxster that's actually still in decent condition. And, yeah. You know, that's kind of on the list, which is crazy to think about. You'd, pa- you'd panic if anything went wrong, like a gearbox. But uh, yeah, seven and a half grand Boxster, they're out there. I'm just surprised you guys have driver training. <laughs> well, you've seen me drive, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now now you drive like an old lady because you got your daughter in the car all the time. Yeah, there's, so. a, there's a built-in G-meter whenever my wife gets in the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Just slow it down. Uh, Anything above 0.001 is, is immediately met with retribution. Yeah, she's it, she she brings like a G meter in her pocket. It's like having like a, a breathalyzer, but it's just a G meter. She's like, if I'm getting in the car, she puts it up on the dash. If this thing turns red in any corner or acceleration or deceleration, you need to stop the car. Think about what you've done. It, it's not even a gadget. It's just built in. It's just part of the system. It's just part of built into. Your it's two just life. a built-in human resource. Yeah, she'll yeah. kill me. Um, uh, before we wrap up, let me tell you guys again about our friends at Dodge. Dodge has officially opened orders of that new 2021 Durango SRT Hellcat, the most powerful SUV ever. If you guys got an order in, Dodge is telling us they're going to be fulfilling every single order. So it was exclusive for 2021. They were going to make 2,000 units, but they want to make every order uh, fulfilled. It's a 710 horsepower. It's got this new aggressive exterior styling. If you drive the bright red one like I do, people will notice you. It has that new driver-centric cockpit. And you know what? We've been reading the ad for a while, and now that I got into it, I actually do love the screen in that thing. It's good size. It's in the dash. It's not stuck on. Uh, it looks good. All buyers will de- will receive a full day of pro instruction at the Radford Racing School. I highly recommend it if you get one of these things. Uh, they should make it mandatory. They should be delivery can only be taking at the driving school is exactly. the way they should <laughs> the way you should do these things. Uh, you know, Dodge was ranked number one for initial quality and best driver appeal for mass market brands by JD Power. The first U.S. brand ever to be ranked number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. So see your local Dodge dealer or visit Dodge.com to schedule a test drive. Uh, anyway, so um, before we wrap it up, you did mention the the Bentley. Um, I'm a fan as well. I haven't driven the new Flying Spur. Um, been in the, some of the Continental GTs. Uh, you know... Similarly, I do like, you've heard us talk about it, I do like the Rolls-Royce, I like the Wraith, I like the Ghost, uh, that magic carpet ride that they have is is fantastic. Um, I'm probably not the the demo for it, but, uh, uh, you know, road tripping one of those things. I don't things know if is, anyone listening to this show is the demo, <laughs> is the demo for it, but... Oh, well, if you get a chance to drive one, you will absolutely love it, so... Uh, Anybody listening, that, that, if you know somebody who has one, go for a ride in one. Um, but they but, are they are lovely. But I, I'm, I'm with you, Matt. I think there's there's a perception thing with these things. I don't know whether it's even in LA. I just feel a bit. I feel so self conscious turning up, particularly at the moment where you know everybody's a lot of people have had a really tough time economically, and that's you know it's I, I, I don't know. It's like having Gucci written across your swept in you know like in a in big letters i don't know it yeah. just feels just makes me feel a bit self-conscious well that's my 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 hoodie is zipped up i don't want you guys to see my shirt <laughs> it doesn't have that on there um but anyway so your thoughts on the bentley though was is to be expected you 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 love the vehicle it's great how does it how does it uh you know rank up to the to the previous models 
I think I prefer it as a sedan than I do as a as a coupe, just because the coupe feels so sort of big and heavy. And you know, the coupe is basically a sedan in a coupe body, and so therefore it kind of works better for a sedan. I think the proportions look better, and it's just um, it, it's in Bentley terms, it is actually reasonably understated as well. It's not like the old Mulsan where it kind of you know the nose arrived half an hour before before you <laughs> you did. So. So it's uh, it's it's you know you you can you can make it look pretty sporty as well if you go for the V8 which which is the one we had in it sounds great as well and you know they're a lovely thing and maybe in sort of five years time because the residual values on those things they do depreciate pretty heavily as a as a used bike so that becomes a bit more uh, attractive I'd actually love like a 90s Bentley as something just to fumble mm-hmm. around in you know yeah. something that's a bit older and a bit less ostentatious is just uh, they're just a nice way to to travel. It is. It's super comfortable. And you're right. Even the ones that are 20 years old were super comfortable back then. So uh, anyway, before we wrap it up, uh, Bill, you had some mods on the truck. I saw you posting up on the Instagram on the TRX. Yeah, man, I'm uh, fortunate enough to get the front and rear bumpers and got uh, more lights than I ever imagined I'd have on any of my vehicles cumulatively. They are all installed on this damn truck but you know i i gotta shout out to rigid industries um they're hooking me up pretty good with it and uh add with the first guys to come out with the bumpers um and, and pretty much any aftermarket parts for that trx so check out instagram you'll see him later today and uh, hopefully it makes the damn thing faster <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's gonna do that i don't know if it needs that but uh um but uh i saw the i'm photos. gonna jump something to it and it, it might be like a Lego, but I'll jump something. <laughs> right on. I saw the photos that you posted of the gear before you had it installed. But, yeah, if you post some photos of, of the thing done, we'd, we'd love to check it out. Curious to see how the bumpers turn yeah. out for that. Uh, we need that. we need to t- have a conversation about lighting, man. It is a whole different game. You know, I had to reach out to Richard Waitis to really get a tutorial as to what the hell's going on with truck lighting why they do it and you know uh, compare comparing companies out there but the stuff that they're they're doing with rigid and if other companies are doing stuff similar to it it's amazing not only are you paying for it but the technology is through the roof i mean i get a gps tracker on it to where you know with the turning of the wheels at certain speeds the lights turn with it and it's just a whole different different avenue for me. So. Uh, Richard Waitis, it's our buddy from Magnaflow. He stopped by uh, uh, my warehouse the other day over at the Matt Cave and uh, brought his truck, his uh, Chevy Colorado, with the, the gear and the package and the overlanding truck with all the lights pointing in all these directions. And <laughs> and I just thought it'd be kind of funny, like as a joke, I I I got another set of LED uh, off-road lights, this one from, from Baja Designs, and I sent it to him. And then... Uh, <laughs> And I thought it was going to be like, oh, you're making fun of me. you got lights all over my truck. He's like, thanks. I really needed these. <laughs> so, exactly. So I guess you can't there's, add. There's no amount of light. Yeah, that, that there, there's no amount that you can be overboard with. I mean, my God, it's, a, it, it's amazing. It's a whole different world. But, you know, I won't be hitting any deer anymore. So. Yeah, well, that's good. The last time you okay. did, you were in a McLaren. It just been, you just been blind. Yes. Enough. Now I'll just roll right over. Just roll yeah. right over him. Um, all right, before, uh, uh, well, let's just wrap things up. Um, we were talking about that stuff. So follow Goldberg. He's a uh, Goldberg and Goldberg Garage on Twitter and Goldberg95, Goldberg's Garage on Instagram. You can follow me at Motorator. 
on uh, on social media, social media, and uh, Alistair Weaver. He's Alistair Weaver on Twitter, and he's Weaver on Cars on Instagram. Love it, <laughs> love it. Anything else? Any final thoughts, Alistair? Go watch the Durango video. Yeah, nobody, go watch the Durango video. Yeah, nobody could. You should see me going into Starbucks. Like I've given up saying Alistair. That's why the Twitter handle doesn't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, Alex, Alex, Alex. No, no, I'm not Alex. No, no, I'm really not. Yeah, Alex, no. Alex. Just tell them when your name is Alex when you get the exactly. exactly. Yeah, uh, path of least resistance. Uh, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. The website is Edmonds.com. You can find all of his great news and uh, all the films he's putting out. Edmonds.com/slash road noise is the is is the place to go and uh, you know of course follow them on uh, on social media as well Edmonds is all over uh, all their social media platforms so follow them as well thanks guys I appreciate it until next time uh, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel for the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.